This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Improvement. Nothing personal word of the day. It's December 28th. Yes, I'm back. I was talking to Coco over the weekend. So much going on. I, I couldn't take a day off. Because I promised to be with you every day. I don't know if we'll do a show every day this week. We may, but there's stuff that goes on. So how can we not? Hope you had a good holiday weekend and that you showed some self-improvement. That's the word of the day because that is the word that you don't want to hear in public when you are a player. And that word is spoken by your coach. Ron Rivera, coach of the Washington football team, when asked about Dwayne Haskins, and what he had to do in order to earn his way back into the trust tree, into the circle of trust with Will Ferrell, he said, improvement. Remember, Dwayne Haskins is the guy with the maskless strip club visit. Dwayne Haskins is the 2019 number 15 pick, played seven games or so his rookie year, played this year, then didn't play. You had Alex Smith come back, the guy who broke his leg in 72 places. That great documentary when he made his way back. Now he's hurt again. They tried everyone in Washington. They're playing for a division title in the NFC least, and they get absolutely embarrassed by the Panthers yesterday. So here's what happens after a game when you lose. It is the worst job, and we'd normally give it to the intern. Here's how you build your PR department. You have a vice president of communications. Then below, you have a director of communications. Then you've got a manager of communications. And then you've got interns in the communications department. Now, the job of the communications department is they do game notes before a game, which means that writers and bloggers and reporters and your TV network, they get this sheet every game that has a ton of stats. So when you're watching a broadcast game and you think, my God, these broadcasters know so much. And it's amazing. He's 14 for 42 in his last 42 at-bats against a lefty in the fourth inning or later when it's dark out, but it's not yet 9 p.m. The last seven quarters, he's thrown 14 passes to the left side, six to the right side, and he's completed two up the middle for 15 yards or fewer. Six years ago, he had a hard time 
with two interceptions in one game. You remember that game against the Schmuckle and Schmuckles. That's all from your PR department. So game notes are done. They're distributed. Makes everyone look good on radio, broadcasters. The executives get it. Makes them seem smart that they know and remember all these stats. And it's funny, by the way, how game notes are done. They're built game after game. So it's like a template. So it's not that you would reinvent something every single day. You sort of update many of the notes that are in the game notes. Your team has now won seven night games in a row that started at 7-10 and are four and two in their last three game series on the West Coast after an off day. You just keep that. And then when there's another series on the West Coast after an off day, you just adjust that. So that's an okay job. You do it. Then there's the job of getting people to do interviews, getting your players. So what happens is when a radio station or a podcast or a TV network or your own broadcast partner wants to get a player to talk, they go to the PR department. The head of the PR department then discusses and decides who is going to approach the player. You approach the player and say, WFAQ would like to do an interview with you. On the phone, it'll be a five-minute phoner. Our broadcaster, CBS, wants to do a quick commercial shoot for the pregame, having you hold a ball. Have you ever seen the intros where they're holding a ball or holding the, the Super Bowl trophy? So the PR guy goes in and says, all right, we're doing a, they're doing a quick filming. You got five minutes, that's it. So that's for non-game requests. Then on top of that, you've got the post-game requests. Post-game requests come, and you don't know exactly who's going to be requested until after the game, but our job in the front office is to have a pretty good idea of who the broadcast partners are going to want. Generally, you make your starting pitcher available. You make the closer or the pitcher who blows the game or saves the game. You make the hitter who gets the best uh, hit of the day home run or the game-winning RBI or the hitter or fielder who makes the game losing error. Basically, you know what the game story will be and who the players will be needed to give quotes for the game story. So what happens after the game, the last few outs of a game or the end of a fourth quarter, you've got PR people already in the clubhouse. And what they do is they grab players coming off the field and say, okay, you got the post-game press conference. Okay, you've got this. Okay, you've got that. And there's certain players who know that no matter what, they are going to be asked to talk. So in baseball, the starting pitcher, there's never a game when the starting pitcher is not asked to talk. The starting pitcher, if he comes out in the fifth inning, we will often go down, say hello, make that player available to do an in-game interview, and then he's good. Players do not leave the clubhouse until we release them from their PR duties. Now, if you're a scrub, if you're a third string, if you're a bench player, then you can leave whenever you want, get a bite to eat, shower, shower again if that's your proclivity, and leave. When you're Dwayne Haskins, and you're the starting quarterback for a team that's trying to make the playoffs, and you get benched at some point during the game, I think it was the fourth quarter, you know you're going to have to talk to the media. 
Well, the game ends yesterday, and Dwayne Haskins is nowhere to be found. As the PR people, you know exactly which players are where in your locker room. You know exactly who's in the food room. You know exactly who's in the shower. You know exactly who's in the training room. You know exactly who's in the coach's office. You have an order in which you send people out to speak to the media. It's all organized chaos. There have been times when we couldn't find players. No, hold on. No, there haven't. Not one time. If a player doesn't want to speak to the media, it goes up the chain. The intern making below minimum wage, but not part of any class action suit in baseball against any of us because there's a thousand people lined up to do that job who would do it for free. If he can't get the player because the player says, hey, screw you, not talking. All right. You go up the chain. If I have to get involved as president of the team, which I've had to do in the past, where you go down and say, listen, you got to talk to the media. You have no choice. And that's only when he's turned down everyone up the chain. So Dwayne Haskins doesn't meet the media after the game. The Washington football team goes public and says, can't be reached. We can't find him. Not true. They found him and they he refused to talk. Then he left. Then he was called. Then he met the media. And you can bet your bottom dollar that he was called by his agent and he was called by either Coach Ron Rivera or even possibly the GM or even possibly the president saying, listen, here's a thought. Meet the damn media. Own up to it. It's your responsibility. So Washington covered up for him by telling the ESPN guy, no, no, he was available. We had told him he could leave. Not true. It's absolutely not true. So he meets the media and he says, in a very grumpy tone, you sign up for this job. It is what it is. Okay. Sometimes being human isn't enough. All right, we're speaking in platitudes now. You've got to own up to your responsibilities and mistakes and put your best foot forward and pray for an opportunity because you never know when you'll get another one. Well, Dwayne, I know when you'll get another one, and it's only when the WFTs are so desperate that their depth chart is empty except for Coca. You're just not worth it. You're not good enough on the field to behave the way you have behaved off the field. And when you put your teammates in a position where they have to speak for you or your coach, when he has to speak for you, you've got a problem. Ron Rivera was asked a very direct question. Hey, Ron, I got a question. What does Dwayne Haskins have to do to get back into the good graces of you and the other coaches and players? What do you want to see out of Dwayne Haskins? Improvement. That's why it's nothing personal word of the day. I would say improvement is something that Dwayne needs, Ron. Thank you for that value added. Now go out and win the NFC. Do you know how the NFC is going to be decided after the Cowboys game last night? 
The Cowboys crush the Eagles. The Eagles are just, the Eagles have been eliminated. When you're eliminated from the NFC East before the final game of the season, when the winner of the division is going to win, I don't know, six or seven games, that's not good. So if the Giants beat the Cowboys and the Washington football team loses to the whoever they're playing, Coca, the Giants win. If the Cowboys beat the Giants and the Washington football team loses to whoever the Washington football team is playing, Coca, and that's the Eagles, then the Cowboys win. But if the Washington football team beats the Eagles, it doesn't matter who the Cowboys and Giants, who wins that. The Washington football team is in the playoffs with the NFC East Championship. I'm rooting for that because I want to hear Dan Snyder. I want to hear him one time say, hey, we have improved our culture. Improvement. Ron Rivera will say, we've improved. Dan Snyder will say, sexual misconduct be damned. We are the champions. I'm getting everyone a pendant. What else happened in football, Coca? Something that interested you and made me want to do a show today. Coca and I knew we had to do a show, right? When you get a question like this, you got to do a show. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. Let's end 2020 strong. Hard to imagine 2020 has come to an end because it's been a six-year year. So you want to talk to Samson's when you get in my Twitter at David P. Samson, ask whatever question you want, and I'll try to answer it. The question is this. With Fitzpatrick leading the Dolphins to a win, what would you do with Tua next week? Yummy. I love that question. So what happened during the Dolphins game yesterday? The Dolphins, I don't remember what day they played. What day is today? I think they played, they were the Sunday game, or they could have been the Saturday night game. They played the Raiders. I watched them in the dark, so I can't remember because, as you know, it gets dark at 2 p.m. So the Dolphins are playing the Las Vegas Raiders, and it was some kind of crazy game back and forth. Dolphins end up winning. They're very much in contention for a playoff spot right now. They're the fifth seed. Remember, seven teams make it in each conference. They can be anywhere from the fifth seed to home for the holidays. Well, the holidays are over, but you know what I meant. So the game is going on and Tua, as in tank for Tua, as in the guy who did not start the season for the Dolphins, Fitzpatrick started the season. Then in a flurry of beauty, Fitzpatrick gets benched. Tua is the new starting quarterback. People are ecstatic in Miami because he's their future. He's their present. And they've got their next Marino. Everybody stay calm, would you please? especially because it's going to turn out that the way to see that Herbert is better than Tua this year is going to win for nothing personal. Although wait to sees are not wins and losses. They're just what I think is going to happen. And maybe they happen, maybe they don't, but I'll get back to it. So Tua takes over and all of a sudden the Dolphins go on a huge winning streak. I think they won like three in a row or something. And everyone was excited about Tua. And then something strange happened. Brian Flores, their coach of the year candidate, gets into the later stages of a game and benches Tua for Fitzpatrick. And that was dismissed as sort of a one-time thing that Flores said that Fitzpatrick puts us in the best position to win, but Tua, when he's not injured, et cetera, he's our quarterback. Okay. So the Dolphins are playing the Raiders. 
back and forth, crazy game, fourth quarter comes, they sit Tua. Tua, who the only plays that Chad Gailey, Chad Gainey, Chad somebody who is their offensive coordinator calling the plays, he's calling like little seven-yard outs, little stop and goes for seven yards, like just dinking and doinking and just death by a thousand cuts. They needed to move down the field faster, quicker, with more authority. Tua's benched. Fitzpatrick comes in, and guess what? Fitzpatrick leads them to a victory. Now, it was a little more complicated because there were some crazy, there was a crazy face mask on Fitzpatrick who completed a pass, a no-look 34-yard pass to set up the final field goal that is a one-in-a-million completion. Literally, one-in-a-million. Yet, Fitzpatrick at the end of the game gets carried off like Russell Crowe, although he wasn't horizontal, he was purely vertical, celebratory, let's play Fitzpatrick. So Brian Flores is left answering questions about Tua. Tua is left answering questions, and he is easy to find. He meets the media, and he is perfect. I'm very happy that Fitzmagic came in the game. It is a great learning experience for me. I've got to be better. But more importantly, the team got a victory, and that's all we're here for. So he hit all the right PR notes. Everything's good. Brian Flores, when asked, basically dismissed the move as, hey, he even made, and Coca, can you confirm this to me, please? There is a rumor circulating that Brian Flores made a baseball analogy, and he's a Marlins fan. And the analogy was, say, listen, sometimes you got to bring in the closer to finish a game. Now, if he actually said that, that is not, the correct analogy to make. Football is not baseball. You don't play Tom Brady for the first three and a half quarters and then bring in David Woodley for the second half of the fourth quarter because he's my ninth inning guy. Football doesn't have openers and closers. When you're a starter, you start and you play through the whole game. The reason Tua was benched, Brian Flores needed to say, is that Tua did not give us the best chance to win the game, in my opinion, at that point in time. Say it, Brian. And if you say that, then you've got to look at your owner and your GM right in the face and say, I want Fitzpatrick playing from the beginning. Because you can't very well say that a football player gives you a better chance to win in the fourth quarter than he did in the first quarter, because in football, that's just it. If you have the better chance to win as a player, that means you're higher on the death chart than the other guy who doesn't give you as good a chance to win. So I ask you again, Brian, you have another chance here. Who's starting next week in a very critical game 16 for the Dolphins? Well, we're going to get to that. No, no, not good enough. If I'm the Dolphins, I'm starting Fitzpatrick. Now I understand the issue here. And so I want to make sure you do. Baseball and football are very different sports. In baseball, when you've got a top prospect who you call up to the big leagues, that is after discussion with your player development people, with the scout who scouted the player and had you draft him, with your GM, with your team president, and then you go to your owner and say, listen, we want to call this guy up. Or your owner comes to you and says, why aren't we calling up our number one prospect? And the deal with the manager is you say to the manager, we are calling up this prospect and you will play him every day. He will be our starting 
first baseman or starting left fielder. It doesn't matter. He'll be in the rotation pitching every five days. Whatever. He's coming up to play because a baseball player cannot develop in the big leagues by sitting on the bench. So when the manager says, screw you, I don't want to play him, you say you're going to play him because if not, see you later. Your job is to play who we tell you to play. So the player comes up, plays for five games, goes 0 for 20. The owner says, man, he stinks. What do we do? We say, hold on. It's going to be fine. Or he goes 20 for 20. The president and the owner look at each other. The owner says, I told you we should have brought him up and he was right. Or the GM says to the development guy, he was ready. He stays. Everything's good. What if he then goes over his next 80 and he's then 20 for 100? He's hitting 200 over 100 at-bats. The media, the fans, the front office, everyone's calling for this kid to be sent back down. He wasn't ready. It's too much. He needs more polishing, needs more work. When we call up a prospect, we are looking for one thing. We are looking, we are looking for body language. The way we used to do it is if the player is hanging his head, if the player is breaking his bat, throwing his helmet in a way that is not normal for him, if the player has lost command of his pitches when he's a command pitcher, when the player is swinging for home runs, swinging down on the knob out of his tuchus, and he is a gap-to-gap doubles hitter, we are looking for those type of things. We then meet with the player. We talk about what we have to accomplish, and then the player gets to decide whether he improves or doesn't, and then we may decide to send the player down. So Coca just found me. that. So that's how we do it. In football, when you decide to start a rookie, it's not that way, right? That rookie doesn't need that type of leash that we would give a player in baseball over 162 games because each game in football is 10 games in baseball. That's the math, right? 162 versus 16, roughly the math. In football, when a prospect is brought up, there's no minor leagues. When a rookie is brought up the depth chart, when a rookie plays, they evaluate from series to series, from down to down, from game to game. This is the set where he's in. This is the set where he's out. We're going to call this set on defense. That doesn't include this guy. We're calling this formation on offense. It doesn't include that guy. All of that is fine and dandy. That's not the case with the quarterback. Your quarterback is the leader of your team. When you make a decision to have a quarterback play, that quarterback has to have an opportunity to play. And that opportunity to play and develop is because you believe that is in the best interest of your team now and tomorrow. And the Dolphins with their draft picks that they have coming up with the fact that they're in a rebuild year two of that rebuild, they felt getting to under center was the right move. But then something strange happened. All of a sudden, what Brian Flores had been told was happening changed because they had a chance to make the playoffs. And when you're the owner of a team who has been hugely unsuccessful on the field since you bought the team a decade ago, it may be over a decade, Steve Ross is on the team by now. I bet you it is over a decade. As a matter of fact, has Steve Ross even won a playoff game, Coca? I don't think he has. When you see an opportunity to make the playoffs, you go to your coach and your GM and say, listen, 
I don't care about developing Tua anymore. We should have taken Herbert to begin with. But by the way, if we have a better chance to win with Fitzpatrick, put him in. Put him in. But you know that Steve Ross, the owner, knew about it. So Flores benches Fitzpatrick. I've got the quote from Coca. If we go to a relief pitcher in the ninth inning, that's what we'll do. Fitz, he's always ready to go. I have a lot of confidence in Tua. He's made a lot of plays for us. He made plays today. We just felt like we needed a spark. Fitz, he gave us that. Tua is a young player. He's developing. He's improving on a daily basis. He's learning from these experiences. He'll be better next week. <clears throat> hey, um, Dolphins fans, I know you're listening. That's not how to get, give confidence to a rookie quarterback. The way you give confidence to rookie players to put them in a position where they've got a breakthrough. Picture like breaking through the, the ceiling Some would say the glass ceiling, breaking through the ceiling, because that is where improvement gets. That's where it lives. If you've never led your team in the two-minute drill when you need to come back and score to win a game, if you get pulled and they go to relief pitcher, then you will never have practice and you will never be able to lead your team. It just doesn't make sense. But when you have no playoff win since 2000, everything changes. I've been in that position. After 03, I spent 14 desperate years, desperate, trying to get back to the playoffs. When you are desperate, you make moves that are not in the best interests of the long term, but are definitely necessary in the short term. But when you start making those decisions, you are smart to be consistent. Let's play Fitzpatrick next week. Nah, you know two is going to start again. And then his leash is going to be short. And then Fitzpatrick's going to come in the game. And then he's not going to lead them to a crazy victory. And then the Dolphins won't make the playoffs. And then what? All right, nothing personal pick of the day. Here's what I decided. I was going to take the rest of the year off. We were 39 and 39. And that was it. No picks of the day. But because we're back this week, I don't know how many days this week. I mean, Coca needs a day off, doesn't he? The guy works every day. CBS has Coca working eight days a week. It's amazing. You work for eight and get paid for four. Hey, Coca, that you need a better agent. That math does not add up. So we're going to do a pick of the day because there's a Monday night game, and it's the last Monday night game of the season, I think, although I can't confirm that because I didn't look. That is one area I did not research before the pick of the day, but who cares? Cam Newton of the Patriots is playing, and this is too good to be true. The Bills are seven-point favorites over the Patriots. The Patriots are finished. They've been eliminated from the playoffs. There is no pride in winning this game. Belichick will say that he cares, but he doesn't. He started saying he didn't care long ago when he started making excuses for the Patriots season. Cam Newton, the $3 million savior, the replacement of Tom Brady, turns out that he's finished. It's just, to me, a a very good game to pick. And if I go below 500 by losing, you can bet your bottom dollar we'll have to make another one because I will not end the year below 500, even if I have to chase Amy. But we're taking the Bills minus seven over the Pats. Okay, when we come back, we've got a baseball trade to discuss, and I'm going to review a movie called Tenet. Tenet called 
movie, a review going on. Back. Right. B. Will. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thanks for making through the gauntlet of the ads. I appreciate that. I tried to, uh, it's not as easy as you think to speak backwards, right? They always say that if you can't tell, if you can't do the alphabet backwards, then you better not drink and drive. My view is you don't drink and drive, period. It doesn't matter if you can walk a straight line or touch your fingers to your nose or touch your hip to your toes. If your hips don't lie, maybe they do. And if you can't do the alphabet backwards, I can't do the alphabet backwards in general. I think it's Z, Y, X. That's as far as I get. I always stop at X. So I was speaking backwards. I finally watched Tenet yesterday. It took me hours to watch the movie because I kept rewinding, watching a bit, then rewinding, watching it again, then watching more, watching it again. What a movie by my, one of my favorite filmmakers, Christopher Nolan. You know Christopher Nolan, Dark Knight Rises. You know him from Memento. You know him from Inception. You know him from The Prestige. This guy knows how to make movies. This is the guy for Warner Brothers who came out and had the uh, public statement that how he was angry that Warner Brothers is releasing its movies on HBO Max instead of theaters or in addition to theaters for 31 days exclusively. Christopher Nolan is the guy who during the COVID break said, we are not releasing Tenet. We're going to hold off because you've got to see this in a theater. Now, there are movies that are big screen movies. Tenet's not one of them. You don't need to see it in a theater, Chris. You need to see it with your thinking cap on. Because this makes Inception look like porkies. There's so many layers going on that having seen it only once, it's not enough. It's a brilliant movie. The leading man is Denzel Washington's son. I'm going to call him Denzel Washington's son because he has not yet gotten to the point where I have his name memorized. I want to say it's John David, but I could be wrong. I got it right. John David Washington, who was in the Spike Lee movie, uh, Black KK Klansman, he is a leading man now. It's official. He's so good in this movie, except the whole time I'm watching him and Robert Pattinson. I'm watching Kenneth Branagh, who is a brilliant Shakespearean actor, a brilliant director, and one of the great bad guys of all time. I'm watching the movie thinking to myself, These guys don't get the movie either, do they? There's no way. 
They're shooting these scenes. They're looking around. They're saying words. And they're saying, God, this is like Shakespeare. I hear the words. I see the words. I'm saying the words. And I don't know what in the hell I'm talking about. So you got to see Tenet. You just have to, right? It's one of those movies. It's going to get Oscar consideration. The, the, you're watching the movie and you're realizing that it's, have you ever read a book which you're told is this very important piece of literature and you know that you have to say that you found it deep and you found it interesting and it made you think? And there are certain movies that are sort of these um, hoity-toity movies, right? These mind-bending thrillers. And you've got to leave the movie by saying, wow, that really, that, that had me going. I wasn't really sure how that was going to end. That was a whodunit, and I didn't know who did it. That was a lot of pieces to a puzzle that all became clear in the last six minutes. You know, you're supposed to say that because you feel like you're supposed to. Well, Tenant is that movie. You're supposed to say that it was mind-blowing and that you can't believe how exciting it was to not know what the hell was going on. What I will say instead is that it felt condescending to me because I don't like feeling stupid. I don't often feel stupid. Maybe I should feel stupid more than I feel stupid, but I don't feel stupid because I don't think I am stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. After the movie, I had a talk with my son who explained half the movie to me. I missed the whole thing, literally. And I admit it. I watched it several times. I'm going to watch it again. But what is absolutely beyond is you're watching it and you're saying, that's good movie making. You're realizing the technical part of that movie was insane. People moving forwards and backwards. Forget the whole inception layers of dreams and times and all of the stuff. You don't know who's what, who's fighting with who. There's a, there, Ed Norton makes an appearance with Brad Pitt, which is somewhat shocking. Tenant. By the way, do you get the tenant is back and forth? It's a palindrome. T-E-N-E-T, backwards, forwards. You don't know if you're going forwards or backwards or up or down or left or right or in or out. What I do know is I will not be going through any revolving doors anytime soon. Bring, bring. I got a phone call at 11.30 last night when I was deep into a medically induced coma, getting my 47 minutes of sleep. Blake Snell has been traded. <gasps> what? Can't be. No way. No, no, no. Hold on. Let me see that again. Blake Snell traded. I have it right here in the document. By the Rays to the Padres for the second ranked pitching prospect, Luis Patino, two catchers and another pitching prospect named Cole Wilcox from the Padres. Is that true, Coca? Did I wake up and Blake Snell is not on the Rays anymore? Does that mean that Charlie Morton, who was on the Rays, signed with the Braves for one year 15, which was the same option that the Rays declined? Does that mean that Blake Snell, the starting pitcher of game six, who was taken out of the game early by Kevin Cash, replaced by Nick Anderson, who immediately gave up three runs and the Dodgers won the World Series is it the Blake Snell who, when taken out of the game, said, what in the is going on here? This is all in bull jockey. That guy? 
Is it the Blake Snell who's five and dive? Pitches five innings every single start. Never once had a six in front of his pitching line. Not one time in 2020. Is it that Blake Snell? Is it the Blake Snell who's got $39 million and three years left on a contract that used to be considered pre-COVID team friendly? Is it that Blake Snell? The former Cy Young Award winner in 2018 who's got shoulder issues now and could break down at any moment. Is it that Blake Snell? Well, do you know what the Tampa Rays did? I love them. Eric Neander is the GM and Matt Silverman is the president. They looked at the other 29 teams in the confidential book that has the phone numbers of every single executive in baseball. They looked down, starting with A, Atlanta Braves. Eh, Alex Anthopoulos, he's okay. All right, let's keep going. Boston Red Sox, ooh, they're desperate, but Chaim is way too smart. Okay, let's keep going. Cincinnati Reds, they're cutting payroll. They're trying to trade Sonny Gray. Okay, Detroit Tigers. Um, okay, the uh, Miami Marlins. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. Oh, my God. A.J. Preller and the San Diego Padres. Call him. Call him. Call him right now. We're going to fleece him. We're going to make Snell available to them, and they're going to trade for him because this is what they do, and they've got Clevenger, who they traded for, who has on Tommy John. They think that they can beat the Dodgers because they had that great shortened season, and A.J. Preller puts the D in desperate. There's a new control person, that guy, Peter Seidler. He took over for Ron Fowler, the guy who said that if they didn't win, that heads were going to roll, and then he gave up control of the team. Oh, my God, hurry up, Eric. Eric, call AJ. Hi, AJ, it's Eric. Hey, we got Snell. Yeah, no, he's fine. Totally healthy. Yeah, totally fine. His shoulder's great. No problem. By the way, if you're not watching this on YouTube, which you could be on Nothing Person with David Sampson YouTube channel, I'm winking, I'm wincing, my fingers and toes are crossed. He's totally fine. Well, it looks like he would only go five innings. Oh, no, we, yeah, we just, that's how we, Kevin Cash does it. We have nothing to do with that. Kevin Cash does not let his starters go more than five innings. This guy, Snell, is a workhorse. Oh, he is? <laughs> you know you've got a team on the hook when they can, their desperation is like flowing through the text chain. Then you call them and say, hey, we're going to need four guys. Yeah, just four guys. We don't need your top prospect core. No problem. No, no, no. But just how about the number two pitching prospect? We'll take him. Yeah, but and we need some catching. Okay, and then one more. Just, yeah, we're giving you Blake Snell and the greatest contract ever. Go tell your owner that you got Blake Snell. You got him under control. Do you look at the team? This is what we always do with teams when we're trying to get them to take a player. We would actually do their roster. You know how I told you I carry our roster around and I had our roster? That's a dollar coca for quite a lot. By the way, I got to pay that to charity in 2020 the we's and the R's when I'm talking about baseball because it's a they and a them. And this is not a pronoun gender issue. This is just me, a fired issue. I used to carry around the one, three, and five-year roster with what the payroll would be, with what everyone's going to make in arbitration, who's off the team, who's on the team. We do that for other teams too. And so we look at the Padres and say, hey, you know you've got Clevenger through 2022. You just signed him to a two-year deal. Don't forget about Tatis. You still got Machado. You got Paddock under control, arbitration. We go through their whole team and say, Blake Snell fits in perfectly. I'm, I'm winking again. It's such an easy talk, an easy trade with the Padres when they do this. Remember when they acquired like James Shields and they signed Craig Kimberlin, did all that stuff and it didn't work. Well, the Padres are reloaded, completely reloaded. Conventional wisdom will say that the Padres gave up very little to get Blake Snell. Conventional wisdom 
And people in the media will say those those sort of farm people who know all the prospects and they'll say, hey, the Rays should have done better. This is Blake Snell. And then you put on screen former Cy Young winner. Find me the last time the Tampa Bay Rays lost a trade. When Eric Neander picks up the phone, you hang up and you rip the cord off the wall and you don't answer again. When Matt Silverman calls you as team president, you ask him how his kinder are. You wish him a very happy Thanksgiving, a happy new year, and you say, bye-bye. When Stuart Sternberg approaches you at an owner's meeting, you make small talk. When he brings up a player, you say, who? I don't know that guy. That's not my department. The Tampa Bay Rays do not lose trades. Listen to me now and hear me later. The Padres will rue the day when they traded for Blake Snell. Okay. Wait to see is when we decide that something's going to happen. We keep track, by the way. I've got this thing on, on, um, on the computer, and it keeps track of every single wait to see. And then next to it, I either leave it. I have the day of the show, what the wait to see was, and then either a yes or a no. If it's blank, it means I haven't readdressed it on the show because there has not been a disposition. I love the hashtag because the world is a wait to see world, right? It's really three incredible words. So I want to do a little baseball wait to see because people are getting restless. The baseball fans out there, you're thinking your team's not doing enough. You're wondering why the big free agents have not signed. You know for a fact that it's going to be after the new year before any of them sign. Although I said that last year and the year before. Yeah, but this year I really mean it. So I want to go through eight things that are going to happen. And I'm going to make them eight separate wait to sees. I'm going to clear up any confusion that might exist in various publications on various other shows about where these players are going to go. Do I have any inside information? I'm not a source guy. That's not my job. I'm not a reporter. I'm telling you as a former executive, this is what makes the most sense to me. And in baseball, at the end of the day, eight out of 10 times, what makes sense is what happens. Now, you always have the outliers. When A-Rod signed with the Texas Rangers, that was an outlier. Couldn't have figured that was coming. But everything else, when you're inside baseball, you can pretty much predict. Let's start with DJ LeMahieu. The Yankees are very concerned. Word is out that the Mets are looking at LeMahieu. The Blue Jays are looking at LeMahieu. All of that is because LeMahieu is trying to get a fifth year. I gave you a way to see. I think that LeMahieu will end up at four years, $80 million in a compromise with the Yankees. Well, don't worry, New York. DJ LeMahieu will be back with the Yankees. I promise. It's just how it's going to be. Okay, what about the Mets? Steve Cohn. You know, Coca, what is Steve? I mean, he's rich and famous. That's, that's the answer. When you're rich and famous and you 
start a Twitter account. You're going to get followers. And he's using Twitter in a very interesting way. Yesterday, Steve Cohen went on Twitter. Like, he'll say things to the fans. How are we doing? He reminds me of Mayor Ed Koch. Look it up. How am I doing? Hey, how am I doing? How are you doing? How am I doing? We're all doing well, aren't we? Eh, not so good. It's very slow, Steve Cohen tweeted. But look for things to pick up. What should we do? He asks. And then yesterday, he had a great tweet. I'm going to call Jared Porter and ask him what's going on. <laughs> ow, ow, I have a cramp. Coca, stop the show. Ow. Oh, I just got to. Do you ever get those cramps that start in your stomach and end right in your gut? Anyway, okay. I'm curling my toes. That generally takes care of cramps. Literally, that's what I'm doing right now. So Steve Cohen said, I'm going to call Jared Porter, the new GM, and ask him what's happening. What a bunch of crock of crap. For people who are following him on Twitter, please don't respond with that in the comments and say, oh, my God, you're the best owner ever. I love you. Please let us know what he says. Steve Cohen speaks to Sandy Alderson and Jared Porter every single day. I guarantee it. 365 days a year, starting the day he bought the team. Period. Hard stop. End of story. Here's what the Mets are going to do. They're going to sign Trevor Bauer and they're going to sign George Springer. Steve Cohen is looking around and he is taking full advantage of the fact that other teams are quiet, lowering payroll. And what I've told you is going to be true. The Mets will get two of the top four free agents, Bauer and Springer, to the Mets. Okay, where's JT Realmuto going? Ignore what John Middleton has been saying. Ignore what Dave Dombrowski has been saying. But when you bring Dave Dombrowski in to be your president of baseball operations, you don't let JT Realmuto go. The Phillies will find a way to bring him back, and that's where he'll end up. What about Marcelo Zuna, my guy? Finally a free agent. He's going back to the Braves. He will be a brave. All right, what about Lindor? All right, Canada, I'm here for you. Francisco Lindor is going to get traded to the Blue Jays. Wait to see. Chris Bryant, everyone's nervous in Chicago. You should be. Theo Epstein bailed on you because your team stinks and you're rebuilding, but you're not going to trade Chris Bryant. And the final guarantee, because he doth protest too much, is that Theo is really a Met. He's a Met right now. He just hasn't told anyone, and neither has Steve Cohn. When you hire Jared Porter, he's a Theo guy. They brought in, oh, God, Coke, I'm ending the show on a mind fart. They brought in someone else into the Mets fold just two days ago, and he's another Theo disciple. And his name was Zach Scott. Oh, Coca, love you, man. All of that is lining up for Theo to join that team as the president of baseball operations. Just you wait. So to review, the Yankees and Mets are busy. The Blue Jays get a shortstop. The Cubs keep their player. And guess what? None of those teams win the World Series in 2021. We're almost there, folks. That's the show for December 28th. Sort of an extra show because I didn't know I was going to do one. But thank you for missing me as much as I missed you. And remember, when it comes to figuring out whether or not there's anything to talk about on a particular day, it's always just business.
This is nothing personal. 